What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Man, if we could, uh, some of y'all, if y'all can kind of scrunch in, we got some people in the back waiting to sit down. So if some of you, there you go, thank you. Y'all can kind of scrunch in, that'd be wonderful. Thank y'all very, very much. Welcome to One Church, where you can worship God and sweat at the same time. Man, tell you what, you don't get that in many other churches. You know what I mean? Here, I mean, you can sweat. You don't even have to go to a sauna to do this. You could come to church. Amazing. Uh, I want to say, if this is your first time here, maybe you haven't been uh, to church in a while, I want to say welcome. Um, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we started one church two years ago for people who maybe don't like going to church, people who have never been to church before. And uh, people just like Deidre. Telling you what, um, I, I t- every time I watch that video, I just, I get just, I just want to start like charging the gates of hell with a water pistol. You know what I mean? I'm like, get out of the way! I'm coming, and Jesus is with me. Oh man, I'm just awesome. Just really stoked about that. So uh, I want to say this again: if you've not been here ever, we're always this laid back. Throw that out there. All right, uh, laid back, and you know, just we, you know, we, we're kind of uptight people, and you know, I wore my I wore my tie for you today, so it's good times. Um, <laughs> church. When you think of church, what do you think of? So many times when people think of church, they think of a building, they think of steeples, they think of stained glass windows. Nothing wrong with that, um, but that's not a church, that's a building. You know, when other people, when they think about church, they think of like going to a specific place on a certain day of the week, right? But that's not church, that's a day on the calendar. Really, what is church? What is church? Church is people. Church is all about people. And let me just say this as well. Church is, about, is filled with people who are imperfect. Church is filled with people who have a lot of needs, who have a lot of problems. If that's you today, welcome. If that's not you here today, you're probably in denial. All right? Because all of us need help. You know, the cool thing about it, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he didn't come... To say, hey, let's start, a, let's start a building program here. You know what I mean? Let's start a building program. We can do, no, because the Jews, they already had a building. The temple was in Jerusalem. In fact, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he didn't come just to start another religion. Because the Jews had religion. They had a list of do's and don'ts and don't do this and do do this and jump this high and all of this stuff. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to connect people... People who were lost, people who didn't have a relationship with God. He came to connect imperfect people to a God who was absolutely in love, head over heels, with everybody. That is the reason why Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And as we're going to look today, Jesus came when he showed up. He came not to try to get the best seat in the house. He came not to like so that somebody could like put him in front of the line and he could cut and so that he could be served. But Mark 10, 45 says this, that the son of man, that's Jesus. The son of man came not to be served. Now I've got to be honest with you, that's most of us. That's me. When you go and you go to the restaurant, where you go today, wherever you go, you want to be served, all right? And that's not even so much a bad thing, but you know this, Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to do something else. 
something totally radical, something totally different. The only, per- I mean, think about this. He is the son of God. He is Jesus. He is the perfect one. If anybody should have been put at the front of the line, it should have been Jesus. If anybody should have gotten the best seat in the house, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is Jesus' mission. His mission was totally to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did that by loving them and by serving them. And that is what Jesus was all about. And he got his group of people together. He got his small group, if you will, together, his 12 guys together. And he did life for them for three and a half years. And for the three and a half years, he hung out with them. He healed alongside them. He preached alongside them. He prayed alongside them. He slept with them. He ate with them. He went swimming in the Sea of Galilee with them. He got Peter and did the whole noogie thing on there. It's in there. It's in second opinions. You got to look in there, all right? I mean, he did all of this stuff with his disciples, and he laughed with them. He cried with them. He just had a great time with them. And then he told his disciples, listen, we got to go back to Jerusalem. And his disciples are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're trying to kill you back there. All the religious, whacked-out, nut-job people back there? They want to kill you. And Jesus says, I know. Because I did not come to serve, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the reason why Jesus came. So Jesus, knowing that he was going to be killed, intentionally went back to Jerusalem. And you know what? It happened. He died. Thursday night, he's with his disciples in that upper room and he's talking to them about all kinds of stuff. He says, you know what? You're going to, you think I've done some good things. You're going to do some greater things than I have. And then he says, I'm going to be leaving you and the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be able to just empower you. And then less than five hours later, he, because of the religious people, let's get this right now. Religious people got angry at him and they lied about him and got trumped up charges and put him on the cross. And he died For all of us. He was buried. But the amazing thing about it, that's not where the story ends. See, that's where the story would end with you and me. We die, we bury, and other people go eat potato salad. Not so much with Jesus. Jesus, he he died, he was buried, and because he's God, three days later, he comes back up. And amazingly enough, he showed, and he showed up in the craziest of places. All of his disciples, because, you know, they were so brave, um, they, uh, they were in a locked room, you know, with a locked door so that nobody could come in and get them because they're really brave. And uh, because they, you know, they realized what Jesus said, hey, what are they going to do to me? They're going to do to you. And Jesus just showed up in that locked room. He showed up walking on different roads, talking to people, he, and, he sat, and he ate with people. And, and, and why did he do this? So that everybody would know that he was back. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that at one time he showed up and 500 people saw him at once. And then <laughs> we're going to see in the book of Acts, page 830 in your One Church Bible, if you got it, Go ahead and start from there, Acts chapter 1, what happened after that. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Those are four books, and they're, they're biography all about who? Anybody want to know? Take a yes. Say Jesus. You got it. Good job. All right, cool. All right, so Matthew, he wrote Matthew, and it was all about Jesus. And Mark, John Mark wrote Mark, and it was all about Jesus. Luke, his, his book was amazingly called Luke, and it was all about Jesus, right? John wrote about Jesus. Now, we've, that Luke... 
wrote another book. And see, you know, he first one was called Luke. Second one ought to have been called like Luke the sequel or something. He didn't call it Luke the sequel because he, yeah, there you go. He called it something else. He called it Acts. Acts. Because the book of Luke is all about who? Jesus. And the book of Acts is all about the acts of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, this is what Luke writes about. Page 830 in the One Church Bible. In my first book, I told you about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, what first book is he talking about? Luke. Good job. All right. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Luke, all about Jesus, the book of Acts, is all about the actions of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that the disciples, they do amazingly, abundantly, even more than Jesus did. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes into their life. When God gets a hold of someone, you can expect some great things. You can expect some great things. Look at verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? (laughs) This is really cool because this is the last. I mean, this is right before Jesus leaves. And the three, I mean, for the past three years, the 12 guys he spent his time with, and basically the hopes of Jesus Christ to turn the world upside down is with these 12 yahoos. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And, and, and if they're thinking, okay, the kingdom of God, and he must be the king, then they, the dude in the back, you know, it's probably Thomas. Excuse me, I have a question. Yes, you in the back. What is it, Thomas? Stop doubting me. Right? He says, okay, you've been talking about the kingdom, and I know you're the king. So, uh, and right now, we're a conquered people. The Romans are over us, and Caesar, you know. Um, when is that, when are you going to, you know, when is the king going to show up? When can we start sharpening our swords, and when can we kill some Romans? <laughs> it's going to be good, isn't it? And Jesus is going, oh, oh. And he says this, look at this. He says this. He replied, Verse 7, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's none of your business. All right? Now, look at what he says in verse 8. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In quotation marks, Jesus stopped speaking. After saying this, he was taking up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So Jesus, he, got, he, he spoke and then he goes up. He ascends up to the clouds and we have not seen Jesus since. I mean, this is Jesus' last words. You know, the last words of anybody is very important, right? The last word of my great-great-grandmother said, she, she said, I told you I was sick. Last words, all right? I was joking. It really wasn't her last words. So, um, but Jesus' last words, because it's Jesus and because it's his last words, very important. So what did Jesus say? 
He says this, and let's read it again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere. Let's let's look at that because that is where we're going to spend the majority of our time on today. There are a couple of things I see happening in this passage. He says, when the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the disciples receive power when God's Spirit comes upon them. That amazing, that word power in the Greek, it's dunamis, and it's where we get our word dynamite. I'm, right? How many of y'all seen good times? Anybody with me? Come on now. You younger than that. All right. So, I mean, I, I love, so, I mean, and, and that's what he says. He says, just as dynamite has power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to get some power because you're super spiritual. No, 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 because of the spirit. Because when God gets a hold of somebody's life, you can believe there's going to be some amazing things happen. And Jesus says this, you can't be a part of God's mission until God has done something in your life. God gives them this goal. I want you to tell people everywhere. We're getting ready to look at that. Really great. But you can't do anything for God unless God has done something inside of you. And also, Jesus said, I want you to stay where you're at. I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I'm getting ready to leave. You stay here. You stay here until the Holy Spirit comes and God descends upon you. Now, look at this. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, what is the result of the Holy Spirit coming on you? What are you what's going to happen just naturally? Look at this. And you will what? Be my what? Witnesses. What is a witness supposed to do? Look at the next word. Tell, right? I mean, how many of y'all ever been on a witness on a stand, right? What do you do? You get up on the stand and you... Tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? That came straight from Acts 1.8. You tell the truth, nothing but the truth, and guess who's going to help you? God. Absolutely. When God gets a hold of your life, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to start talking about it. And nobody's got to guilt you into talking about it. You're just going to start doing it. You're going to start telling people. Now, what's so cool? The word witness in the Greek, is the, this exact word, it's the word martyr. Exact Greek word. Now, some of you, how many of y'all know what a martyr is? Anybody know what a martyr is? A martyr is somebody when you believe in something so much, you, you, you say something, you do something, and you get killed for it. Now, why is, why is the word martyr and the word witness the same thing? Because in that culture, if you're going to talk about Jesus, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. You're going to be killed many times. And this is happening all over the world, not here in America, but it happens everywhere else in the world many times because when you start talking about Jesus, you will pay a price. There will be a price to pay. All right, so you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. And that's exactly what happened. God got a hold of them, and God, amazingly enough, throughout the rest of the book of Acts, they were able to do some wonderful, great things for God because that is our big idea today. When God gets a hold of your life, you can expect, you can expect that God is going to do some great things through you. When God gets a hold of your life, expect to be used by God. Just expect it because that is what's going to happen. Now, Jesus' plan was kind of a jacked up, ridiculous plan, in my opinion. That's the reason why I'm not Jesus, all right? Because I'd be really messed up, all right? 
And y'all would be messed up. Jesus said that this was his plan, though. And listen to how ridiculous it was. His plan was for the entire world to be changed by these 12 people. That was his plan. That all of the world would be changed by these 12 people. Because when somebody, when God gets a hold of somebody, you can expect to be used by God. For the past week, the thing that we have been talking about at One Church is don't just go to church, but be the church. And guys, you guys have totally risen to that expectation that God has placed on us. That It's not just about going to a building, but it's about the people of the church being the church. 
I mean, you just saw so many different people just serving their communities. And that happened last Saturday. It happened yesterday. It happened on Thursday. It happened on Friday night. I mean, I mean, it's just, in fact, let me just read you some stories. I didn't do this in the first service. Um, but listen, this says, here's some pictures of our small group with our backpacks. That was the very first one you saw. It says, I have to tell you how God has been so visual for our group this weekend and how contagious this type of serving is. So as I started my plan uh, for the day and what I need to be done, the forecast came in about the weather continuing to worsen and the day goes on. And this is talking about yesterday. I immediately began to second guess if we should go out and drive in the weather and put these together. I mean, really, I mean, do I really want to get soaked? I mean, this could happen on next Thursday during our communion group. But she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on going. She says, I, I've loaded up the kids in the lightning and, and downpour, and my thoughts began to change. And I began to think, man, I wish I could have bought more tarps for these packs. I wonder where the people who will receive these bags are right now in this weather. We carried in the countless sacks of items and dried off, and I shut the electric van doors with a push of a button from the comfort of a person's home, and it really sunk in. How often we all take for granted what we have and how easily our daily life is. Our group started to realize how blessed we are to even have a spoon. We bought them food, but they may not have anything to eat it with. I know that there are many who feel like the situations in these homeless situations have been brought on by themselves and they needed to fix the situation. Our hopes that these packs will show them that, that there are people in their life who care, that there's someone who will listen and help. I'm going to be giving Bibles in each one of these packs and a note from our group. Wow. Let me read you another one. Um, as a military life, I struggle with feelings of loneliness and often feel I have no one here in Clarksville to turn to. Today, I spent some time with some individuals who are truly alone in a nursing home. Some of them know the Lord and some do not. I remember the woman who began to cry when she read the note attached to her gift bag, God is only a prayer away. There was a man who could no longer form the words to express his needs. His mind was working wonderfully, but a stroke had taken his ability to speak. I met a couple who had been married for 70 years, and she showed me the pictures from her family album. By the way, the, the couple she's talking about? is my great aunt and uncle. Um, for seven years, and showed me pictures from her family album, requested that our church pray for her son, John Edmondson, who was dying of cancer. You know, the thing about it is, it's when we serve and God gets a hold of our life that we stop looking at our problems and we start looking at other people's and we realize just how big God is. I mean, really, that is totally it. And what's so cool about you guys is y'all, I mean, you're, this is your Jerusalem. I mean, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be with my witnesses telling people. First in Jerusalem, their Jerusalem was their backyard. That was their hometown. And, and then it says, then Judea, and it gets a little bit bigger. That's kind of like the county. And then the, to Samaria. I mean, they didn't even like the Samaritans. They were so culturally different from them. And then what does it say? To the ends of the earth. And what's so amazing, guys, is to get to the ends of the earth today, here's what you have to do. All you have to do is walk outside your front door and go across the street. Kid you not. Because living here at Clarksville, Fort Campbell, we are a melting pot. Quick question. How many of y'all from Clarksville? Let me see your hands, all two of you. All right? I'm, I'm from Clarksville. All right? I'm in the minority. All right. How many of y'all from other places? Let me see your hands. Just keep them up. Look around, y'all. Seriously. 
Look around. All right? How many of y'all, let's just get crazy. Crazy! Because that's what we do in church. How many of y'all were born not in the United States? Let me see your hands. Look around, guys. My friend's from London here. The vicar's speaking. That's all I'm saying. That means preacher. Anyway, see... You see, all we have to do to get to the ends of the earth is walk out your front door. Right? That's all you got to do. And that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. To walk out our front door and to tell the truth in love. To speak the truth. To serve other people. And what's so cool is, guys, you guys are already doing this. Let me just tell you, as I was kind of working on this sermon... I mean, I've heard so many different people say, you know, they PCS from Alaska or Alabama or Hawaii or North Kakalaki. And they, they got here. And the reason why they came to one church is because a family who had already PCS from here went there and said, you got to go to one church. How many of y'all heard about one church through that way? Heard it from another person? Thank you. All right. In the back. Thank you. All right. I mean, I mean tons of hands. So people are already doing this. It's so cool. And let me just tell you, as I've been kind of digesting this, let me just brag on you guys for a little bit. Because hear me, our big idea is when God gets control of somebody, you're going to do some amazing things. Let me tell you what God has done through you guys just in the past six months. We've been a church for about two years now, two and a half years. Listen to what he's done with, through you guys in the past six months. For the past two weeks, God has used you one church in the life of a lady by the name of Erica and her family who lost everything for a house fire. Last week, you donated over and above stuff you're putting in the bucket, over $600 to be able to give to this family who has lost it all. You've donated furniture. You've donated beds. You've donated clothes and clothes and clothes and clothes. I mean, you, I mean, you said, you know what? I'm not just going to go to church. We're going to be the church. And Erica thanks you for it. Let me tell you another thing. Yesterday, many people went out and served Clarksville. In fact, we got a, a, a gentleman here today from one of the projects here. And I'm, I'm telling you, people, they just don't want to hear talk. They want to see action. And for so many times, the reason why people don't go to church is because they think it's all about talk. And Jesus was never like that. Never. He, yeah, he talked, but you better believe he had some action behind it. For God so loved the world that he... Gave, you better believe it. Thank you for giving last, yesterday. Thank you for giving this past week and serving our community. Let me give you some more. Every time you put money in an offering bucket, 12% of everything that you give goes back to missions. We've given over $100,000 away to missions. Now, could we have kept that for ourselves? Do we need it? Yes, we could have. But you know what? We believe that God calls all of us to give a certain percentage. And for the church not to be able to do that, we believe is hypocritical. So, you know, we're going to say what, every dollar that you give, we're going to give a portion of that and we're going to give to missions. God, this is so cool, rocks my face off. This past Thanksgiving, our K through 5th graders, their goal was to raise $600 to buy 60 mosquito nets for children all over the world who many times will get mosquito bites and die of malaria. Their goal was 600 They got 800 to get 80 mosquito nets. And these, this was your children who did this. Let's give it up. Totally. I mean... <laughs> That's awesome. Let me, let, me, let me keep on bragging. In Christmas, you guys gave 108 shoeboxes filled with toys, filled with toothbrushes, filled with underwear, because there's 69 million children all over the world who not only just not even get a gift for Christmas, but who need like, specific things like toothbrushes and toothpaste and hydrogen peroxide 
And they get crazy excited when they get stuff like that. See, your kids, my kids, not so much, right? Not so much. But children all over the world, they need it. And you guys gave. Give me another thing. In our one year, excuse me, our two year anniversary for our church, you gave away hundreds of gift cards to teachers here at Northeast High School who needed it just to say thanks for being a teacher. This past Christmas, we gave away hundreds of dollars worth of gift cards to needy families all over Clarksville who weren't going to have a Christmas. And you did that. God did that through you. Why? Because when God gets a hold of your life, you're going to do some great things for God. He used you this past January by bringing box load after box load after box load of medical supplies because of the earthquake that happened in Haiti. And he did that through you guys. He's used you sacrificially, many of you, to pray and to give to Anna Palmer, a missionary who was two years ago was sitting where you were sitting. She was 17 years old, and she said, you know what, I don't want to go to college. I want to go to Southeast Asia and tell other people about Jesus. And let me tell you, there, when you talk about Jesus, you die for it. Because you don't have to be a super Christian to do this stuff. All you got to do is let God get a hold of your life. That's all you have to do. One church, he wants to use you. He has used you. And you know what? He is going to continue to use you. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you just, you're going to start in your Jerusalem. That's what you guys have been doing. But it doesn't have to end there. It doesn't have to end there. Compassion International is relieving children from poverty in Jesus' name. Prove it. I am proof. 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 One day, my country will be proof. My life will be proof. My family is proof. I saw hope. I saw a chance for me to like go to school and realize my dreams in the future. But the best of the best is that I came to learn Christ through Compassion International. So, and my life has never been the same again. Yeah, I was really changed and I, I'm, I, I'm changed daily. I'm renewed. If I was not enrolled in the Compassion program, chances are that I'll be dead right now. Chances are that maybe I'll be rotting in a prison. Chances are that I'll not be the accountant that I wanted to be. Being in compassion has enabled me to break the cycle of poverty. My life will be proof. I am proof. Proof. You want to change the world? Prove it. Prove it. Let me give you some statistics on poverty in the world. One third of the world's children live in extreme poverty. One out of every three children. More than one billion. Everybody say one billion. Now let me tell you, one billion, I don't do too much for us. But let me tell you, one billion is one in five people live on less than one dollar a day. One in five people. Every day, 1,600 women and more than 10,000 newborns die Globally, due to complications that could have been prevented. 
15 million children under the age of 18 have lost one or both parents to the AIDS epidemic. And 143 million children, that's one in 13, are orphans. And the thing about it is, you can make a difference. Last October, Kim and I, after praying and talking about something, we decided we decided to support a child by the name of Luis Adrian Perez Suarez. This is his picture. After praying about it and talking about it, we said, you know what? We're going to continue to give our percentage to the church, but over and above what we give, we're going to, we're going to sponsor this child who lives in Ecuador for $38 a month. He's eight years old. He was born December the 15th of 02. We got a letter from him uh, a few months back, and uh, it's in a different language that I don't know. So I'm going to read you the translation. All right. This is what it says. It says, Dear Chris Edmondson, I greet you in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus. By the way, did I tell you? He's now eight years old. He was seven when he wrote this. He's preaching to me. I'm very happy to have you as my new friend, and I tell you about my life. My name is Luis Perez, and I'm seven years old, and I live with my grandma and my siblings. My, mom, my mom's name is Magli Perez, and she works at a banana plantation. My dad's name is Mauro Romero, and he works at another banana plantation. My brother's names are David, 11, and Gonzalo, 12. I attend Manuel Elementary, and I'm in the second year of my education. My favorite subject is math. We don't have that in common. I like to eat turkey. We have that in common. <laughs> On my free time, I study and I do my homework. And after that, I help my mom with the chores or play with my siblings and my best friend, Carlos. I have a dog named Peter. He's very cute. Can you please send me a picture of you and your family? I'd like to get you know, to know you better. May God bless Luis Adrian. You know, what a sweet boy. You know, there are thousands of other children that are praying just like Luis is praying for somebody to come and support them. Because as you saw, one billion people live on less than one dollar a day. I mean, 38 bucks. That, that was a sacrifice for Kim and I. But really, at the end of the day, I mean, what we didn't go eat out once. And this child wouldn't eat at all. Can we even call that sacrifice? You know, there are thousands of children just like Luis praying for people praying for someone to support them. And what's amazing, One Church, is you can be the answer to their prayers. Because it's not just enough for us going, oh, that's sad, and let's pray for them. Because it's going to take more than prayer. It begins with me, and it begins with you. You can make a difference. You can make a difference to the ends of the earth today. The reason why Kim and I chose to support Luis is last October... Uh, myself and my wife and the rest of our staff and some volunteers and stuff, we went to Atlanta. And we went to Atlanta and we went to a Christian conference called Catalyst. And it was in Catalyst, there was 12,000 people in the Gwinnett Center. And there was this fellow by the name of Jimmy got up and he shares his story of somebody who supported him through Compassion International. And what you get ready to watch in this video, it, it, this was not canned. Well, Kim and I saw it with our eyes. And this ain't a commercial. This is something that happened for real. Watch this. All the way from Kenya, Jimmy Wambua. Well, Jimmy, 
we've gotten to spend some time together over the last couple days, and I want you to share a bit of your story with these folks right now. My name is Jimmy Wambua, and I grew up in Islam in Kenya. When I was four years old, my mother fell sick. I never knew my dad. And so she was confined to bed most of the day. And she could not go to the market and find food for us. First with starvation, I opted to go to the streets. And many other days I would wake up very early in the morning just to make it in time before the rest of the scavengers come. I roam the streets hoping, hoping that somebody, somebody will hold my hand and release me from this situation. When I was seven years old, I watched as my 10 months old little sister died of starvation in the, in the lap of my mother. The situation was becoming worse. And my mother looking at the situation, she decided to donate us to relatives and go look for help. And so I was given up to her sister. And the situation was not any better because I was like the eighth child to join the table. I didn't know what will happen to me next. And that was my early childhood between the, the ages of four and seven. So Jimmy, your mother goes away just to try to find help. So now your father and your mother are not in the picture. Your situation is still very, very dire. But at the age of eight, something dramatic happened in your life. Share that with us. That was the April of 1990. And my mother came back. And that night she said to me, Jimmy, God loves you so much. I found some help somewhere. And tonight we shall be traveling 220 miles away from here in the direction of that hope. I remember when she came with new clothes for me, and as she was giving me a bath, she sobbed looking at how the poor health had ravaged my health. And so we got to this train, and for 12 hours we drove in the direction of that hope. And by the morning, we were at this compassion project in partnership with the local Baptist church. And that's why I got registered as a little boy. And Four months later, I received a letter, and please allow me to read it to you, because this defined the rest of my life, that who I am today. This letter is 19 years old, and says, Hello, Jimmy. My name is Mark, and I'm 20 years old. I'm glad to have the opportunity to have a friend in Kenya. I don't know anyone outside of Canada. The reason I'm writing to you is because of a really important friend we have. You see, when I was younger, I didn't know, really know about Jesus, who he was. But last year, some people taught me about a great friend named Jesus. My life has changed. I really love this world and the people within it, all because of God's love for me and you and everyone. So even though you are halfway through the world, I know that God loves you and cares for you. He mapped my whole vision for life. He mapped my whole vision for life in these few words. Because from then, my life is a different life. I'm at Moody Bible Institute right now, studying the Bible. 
to go back to Kenya. To go back to Kenya and stand in the gap in the same way Mark Hells from Canada stood in the gap for me. My mother died six years later after the sponsorship. It is the same time I got saved and knew what my sponsor meant when he said he's a real good friend in Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm sponsoring a kid in Haiti. She's four years old. That's the time that I was intervened at. And I think that's the time that I need to intervene to a child and change the whole cause of their life. I am so grateful that Compassion and through the ministry that they have across the world has changed my life and who I am. I'm ready to stand in the gap for many others who just need somebody to stand in the gap for them. Isn't that great? Here's a young man whose life was changed by the love of Christ being put in action through a young 20-year-old, and now he's standing in the gap and helping others. One question, have you ever talked to your sponsor? No. You have not? No. Well, would you like to meet him right now? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mark Hales, Jimmy's sponsor. $38 a month. You know, amazingly enough, is uh, <laughs> the Bible, when it describes heaven, it says when we get up there, there are going to be people <laughs> that you are going to have an impact on that you've never, ever met before because you were willing to be used by God. Some of you, you have worked and you've been planting gardens and you've done painting and construction and all this stuff with this A18 this past week. But amazingly enough, it doesn't have to stop. And what I'm going to ask you to do is this. I'm not going to give you any guilt. I'm not gonna, that's not what ch church is about. But what I am going to say is I'm going to give you an opportunity so that when you leave here, this is Luis, who we adopted. There's packets just like this. There's only one packet per child. And when you leave here, we have these, uh, the table set up right out there. And I just, I'm not asking you to pick one up. All I'm asking you to do is to go and look at it. Look at a child. Talk about it with your spouse. And if God so leads you to be able to do and sacrifice $38 a month, that you can be a part of what you just saw there and what we saw live. I mean, I was crying like a schoolgirl when I saw that. 
I mean, I just, I mean, I got snot everywhere. And I looked at Kim and I said, Kim, we got to do this. We got to do this. I don't know about all our finances. I don't know about the budget, but we can do this. And I'm asking you to consider it as well. Will you consider to be used by God? Watch this video and we'll be done.
Surround.